This is the 20 Bell Salute, a 20-year look back each month on wrestling, movies, video games, music, TV, and so much more exclusively on the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon, hosted by yours truly, Mr. Fretz of the Game Changer Podcast. Welcome to the 20 Bell Salute. I am Mr. Fretz. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Legendary JF. You can find this podcast on the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon page, as well as my personal feed on Fretzelmania, that's F-R-E-T-Z-O-E, Mania, on Anchor.fm and everywhere podcasts can be heard. It is 2020, ladies and gentlemen. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. I hope your Christmas was great. I hope your New Year's was great as well and that you didn't party too, too hard. Uh, We are going 20 years into the past, into our Castrol GTX-powered DeLorean. Thank you, Tom Campbell, for that one. And we are going back to January, January, the Royal Rumble 2000. But before you get there, where were you in January 2000? Folks, I was about to turn 16. Uh, This was also the New Year's Eve, the New Year's of the new millennium. This was 1999 into 2000. This was the Y2K craze. Uh, Everyone thought that the world was ending. And I remember exactly where I was at the turn of the millennium. Uh, I was back home. I was living in Cannington, my own hometown. Uh, I was at my church. We were doing a all-nighter at the youth group. So we had, uh, you know, games going on, some, you know, board games in the basement. People were hooking up a golden eye to play on the projector on the wall of the church gym, which was great. Uh, and just hanging out. And then our pastor puts on the ball drop. And then we were just talking about why, I don't know what we were talking about, probably Y2K and that kind of stuff and how that it was actually a bunch of mumbo jumbo. None of us were really worried about anything coming to an end. It was just a fun uh, conspiracy theory. Uh, What is Y2K folks? Well, Google it. Basically it's like when computers were made in the middle of that century, uh, we didn't know what was going to happen when things roll over from 99 to 2000 was going to revert back to 1900 and cause all these computers to fail and planes to fall out of the sky. Uh, Spoiler alert. No, 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 it didn't. And now we have the 2020 vision to see that that was a hoax. Hey, yeah, bad, bad jokes aside. I deserve that. Um, We're going to dip into some movies, uh, music, video games, and TV shows, as well as what ECW and WWE were doing before I get into what we're all here to talk about, uh, I'm here to talk about, is Royal Rumble 2000. And at the end of this particular episode, I'm going to be doing a special watch-along of the Royal Rumble match from, from 2000. 
so folks, if you have the WWE network, you can fire that up. Uh, I can't tell you exactly where to go on there because I'm using a, uh, <clears throat> VHS DVD rip that is in two parts, but I'm at approximately an hour and 20 some odd minutes to go. Uh, I'm on pause right now. I see they just did a recap of 1995 and there's a Titan Tron above the ring with Devo Brown's thing going. So we're about, I'm about to start the Royal Rumble match, but before I get there, I have to talk about the rest of the card as well as the rest of this stuff. So starting off with the movies of January 2000, a lot of these, I think, came out in limited releases in um, in theaters in December, but then finally came out sometime after that. So some of these might be a bit here and there. So um, I'm going to start off with Fantasia 2000. Now this was released on IMAX, uh, and in Carnegie, a special event at Carnegie Hall in December 99 and in IMAX on New Year's Day 2000, exactly 20 years today because I am recording this on New Year's Day. Uh, it was released in the United States in theaters, I think in June, but I wanted to get this one out of the way right now because Fantasia is, uh, it's an enigma to say the least. It is a very strange and at the time uncharacteristic a Disney movie because this didn't have any dialogue, any story, any talking. It was a uh, classical music and animation rolled into one. And it was, uh, it was something else. It had, you know, animation set to classical music. And we had this version because this was kind of a remake of the original, which was, I think in the, at least in the 60s. I, I can't tell you exactly when it was. I did not <laughs> I did uh, not uh, look this up at all. I'm sorry. But we had celebrities in here doing transitions and uh, vignettes and intros. And we had people like Steve Martin, Quincy Jones, Bette Midler, James Earl Jones, Penn and & Teller, and Angela Lansbury. So we had just, – I just want to start – talking about a couple of the shorts here. So we had Symphony Number no. 5 by Ludwig Be uh, von ben Beethoven. My goodness. Uh, we had a bunch of abstract patterns that resemble butterflies. And no, they were not the Georgia O'Keeffe butterflies that looked like vaginas. These were just a whole bunch of nice, colorful shades, tints, and hues, exploring a world of light and darkness while being pursued by a swarm of black bats. And like in life... Uh, the light wins, and yeah. So we had the next couple of ones here. We had you know Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin, uh, set in the New York City in the 1930s, uh, designed in the style of Al Hirschfeld's caricatures at the time. Uh, this follows four people named Duke, Joe, Rachel, and John who wish for a better life, and the segment you know it ends with them all getting their wish, all getting their better life. And their stories intertwine with each other without any of them knowing. And with the city the size of New York, it's actually not surprising. Uh, and then we had, um, see, uh, the Carnival of Animals finale by Camille St. Saens that had the, the ones with a flock of flamingos trying to force a slapstick member who enjoys playing a yo-yo to engage in the flock's dull routines. So this is like the 
uh, the per- pop, uh, proper, uh, the rambunctious kid trying to get with the, ram- the per- proper crowd. We had Pomp and Circumstances, Marches 1, 2, 3, and 4 by Edward Elgar. <clears throat> and if you know what Pomp and Circumstance is, if it sounds familiar to you, it was, of course, Macho Man Randy Savage's entrance theme uh, in WWE and actually in WCW. Everywhere he went, he had a version of Pomp and Circumstance. And this one is uh, Noah's Ark from the Book of Genesis, where Donald Duck is Noah's assistant and Daisy Duck is Donald's wife. And Donald is given the task of gathering two of each animals to the Ark. However, he loses and then later reunites with Daisy in the process. Then uh, we had uh, Freebird Suite, uh, 1919 version by Igor Stravinsky. Uh, this was a sprite is awoken by her companion, an elk who accidentally wakes the firebird, which is a fiery spirit of destruction of a Norval ah, <clears throat> nearby volcano. I'm doing this from one take. Uh, destroys the forest and seemingly the sprite. But, you know, the sprite survives and the elk encourages her to restore the forest to its normal state. And the rest of these have um, names that I can't even begin to pronounce, so I'm not going to pronounce their names. But the pieces of music are called Pines of Rome. This is the one with the humpback whales. Uh, Piano Concerto Number Two, Allegro Opus One Hundred Two, uh, by Dimitri. Name I'm not going to pronounce. And of course, we have the Sorcerer's Apprentice by Paul Dukas, based on um, based on a poem that I can't pronounce as well by Goethe. And this is of course the original Fantasia feature with uh, Mickey Mouse as the sorcerer's apprentice with the magic tricks and the marching brooms and all that whole thing so next to here in movies we had next friday which was a uh, stoner comedy film a sequel to the 1995 film friday uh this was uh produced by ice cube uh directed by steve carr and it stars ice cube mike epps don curry john witherspoon and tommy Tiny Lister Jr., a.k.a. Zeus from No Holds Barred fame. And, you know, the plot to this is after Craig Jones, Ice Cube's successful fight against the neighborhood bully Debo, Tommy Lister Jr., uh, rumors are spreading about Debo breaking out of jail and getting revenge. So Willie, John Witherspoon, give him a 35, 45 minutes. Decides to have him stay with his uncle Elroy, Don Curry, and his cousin Day-Day, Mike Epps, in Rancho Cucamonga, which is a Mexican land grant in San Bernardino County. Uh, I guess this is just kind of a witness protection kind of deal. Uh, this is your your, your classic African-American stoner comedy, like kind of like along lines of of How High with Method Man and Red Man later in, the de- later in that decade. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed these movies. I haven't seen them in quite some time. There's something I would love to um, uh, revisit. I, I like a good comedy. I like, you know, goofy comedy, stoner comedy. And I love that this movie also has uh, Michael Rappaport. If you know who he is, he had a, uh, he was at, you know, Boston Public. He was on Friends. He was on Prison Break. And he had a uh, short-lived comedy i think it was called i believe it was called grounded for life it was a it was a short-lived uh fox series and it was uh 
kind of at the time, I think at least in, in my mind, it was somewhat uh, groundbreaking. You know, he had uh, he had a son who uh, uh, the war at home, that's what it was called. It wasn't called grind for life. It was called the war at home. It only lasted 44 episodes, but he had a son who was in the closet. And, you know, this guy is your classic hard dad and your classic macho dad, boobs, beer, cigars, fighting. And I I don't know what happens when he finally finds finds out about his son, but I think it was, it was treated surprisingly well for like 2005, 2007. And it was, it was kind of neat. I mean, it wasn't the first, homosexual thing on tv i mean one of the ones that come to mind is uh roseanne with uh the do- i think the daughter had a lesbian kiss or something but anyways it, it was a this is a really fun movie uh another one that came out that i remember watching at the time was play it to the bone it was a sports comedy drama film with antonio banderas and woody harrelson uh playing uh, these these boxers who always regretted not getting one last shot. And then this uh, boxing promoter played by Tom Sizemore has a problem. These fighters that are scheduled to be on the undercard in Vegas, a preliminary bout to the main event featuring Mike Tyson uh, become unavailable. So a call is made to see if these guys want to get there, can get there. And then, you know, it ends up being one of these road trip boxing bro bro movies i I thought it was pretty funny at the time i haven't revisited it since a lot of this stuff i haven't really revisited just because you know time flies by i mean this is 2020 for freak's sakes holy crap um and another one uh notable release is the hurricane Uh, i believe it was uh, denzel washington playing a boxer that was uh wrongly acquitted uh not acquitted wrongly accused of a murder or something you know there's that song uh Here's the story of the hurricane. I forget who sings it. Uh, Supernova was a space movie of some kind. Uh, I didn't really care for it. Uh, I remember Galaxy Quest came out around this time, and I thought it was really, really funny, really well done. You know, Tim Allen, Al, uh, Alan Rickman, just absolutely lovely songs. Well, there's not a lot of songs coming out in January of 2000, but topping the charts, oh boy, man, I got a. What a Girl Wants by Christina Aguilera, Amazed by Lone Star, Big Pimpin' by Jay-Z. Ugh, ugh. That's a bunch of crap right there, except for Lone Star. Lone Star is okay. Uh, we had a Blue Rodeo, uh, Days in Between album came out. Other than that, like this this month has been pretty barren for music. Uh, in video games, though, we have um, the Windows port of Crazy Taxi, you know, the Sega arcade game where you're a taxi driver picking up different clients, doing all these missions, kind of like a Grand Theft Auto kind of vibe I, th- I thought it had. Uh, Sim- uh, was it the Simpsons Road Rage? Not Simpsons. Was it Simpsons Road Rage? Yeah. What uh, Simpsons had had a game like that where they did basically the same premise and it was really, really well done. This was a very fun game, but it came out on Windows a few years after the I think it was either the Saturn or the Dreamcast that had this, and then it 
wound up on every other platform. Like I think the PlayStation eventually got it. Uh, Mario Party 2 for the Nintendo 64. Just a classic friendship ruining game. You know, Mario in these mini games and you're on a giant board, you know, akin to Monopoly or Life or Clue. And where you, you know, the person with the most stars wins and you land on this one game and then all of a sudden you can have 10 stars and then your friend will have 20 and you'll have zero. And it's just a classic analog stick ruining, thumb blistering, palm sweating, palm breaking, finger busting, controller smashing, fun time. Uh, And then there was Dragon Warrior Monsters for the Game Boy Color. Uh, This is basically just a, a RPG clone under the Dragon Warrior moniker where you uh, pick up and train, you know, Dragon Warrior characters like Slime, you know, that little blob on, on the screen. Uh, I forget what else com- came out of there, but it, it's in a sense, you're going to this tournament, you're leveling up your Dragon Warrior fighters. It's, it's a Pokemon clone, but I, Play, I played the crap out of this one. Uh, my my buddy Dave had this one in high school. Uh, yeah, I was in tenth grade, and I was pl- he he got this for Christmas or something, and I brought it from him, and I thought, yeah, this is pretty fun. And I never beat it because you know R- I'm not good with RPGs or JRPGs for that matter. Uh, the only ones I can remember actually beating are like um, Legend of Mana for the PS One. Mario, no, I didn't beat Mario RPG. I beat Paper Mario 1. I beat Paper Mario Thousand Year Door twice. And yeah, that's about it in, in terms of RPGs or JRPGs, however you want to define them. I'm not good at them, but I like them. <clears throat> now on TV, we have a, a bunch of our favorite shows are on uh, are on hiatus for the holidays. But in January, we had, we had Simpsons Faith Off, a... Uh, 11th episode of season 11, and this was when, uh, you know, Bart thinks he is a healing preacher because he helps out Homer after this prank he tries to do on his college dean at their Springfield University reunion party comes up. Uh, Homer tries to do a uh, bucket full of glue on the head of Dean Dean Bobby Peterson uh, to get it stuck on his head, but it backfires because, of course, because Homer... and it ends up on his head. So Homer tries to drive with this bucket on his head with little holes drilled out so he can see while driving. However, these prove to be a mistake because he still can't see. His vision is obscured, and he veers off course into a tent revival where a faith healer named Brother Brother Faith, played by Don Cheadle, was in there and he's like, does anybody need healing? And, you know, Bart comes onto the stage and pulls the bucket off of Homer's head. However, it is also because the hot lights, the hot stage lights caused the metal to expand and caused the uh, glue to liquefy and loosen, expanding the bucket. So then, you know, Bart's like, yeah, I'm a healer now. So he becomes, yeah, he becomes like a Benny Hill, Jack Benny, whatever his name is. And he forms his own church that starts to outdraw Reverend Lovejoy's congregation. 
And then, you know, Bart tries to heal these people, like Grandpa of his hip pain, Professor Frank of his back pain, um, Patty's smoking addiction, Millhouse's eyesight. But the Millhouse one backfires on him after Millhouse, you know, he's like, you know, I don't need, hey, I don't need these glasses anymore. And he is hit by a car. It backfires on Bart. And then there is a star kicker named Anton Lepchenko. Homer gets drunk and causes an accident that shatters his leg. Fat Tony uh, puts a hit out on Homer because he has money on the game. He relies on Bart to be the healer. Of course, it backfires. Uh, but, you know, Lepchenko kicks the winning field goal. However, losing his leg via via amputation in the process and this was just an otherwise funny episode of the simpsons a lot of people thought that the show kind of went off a cliff at this point in time i i disagree i think around the time that um the pie man episode came out or the one with the man margin the manatees that's when i started to see a bit of the bloom come off the rose excuse me next off here we have King of the Hills rodeo days where, you know, Bobby and Joseph are both um, trying out to be rodeo stars for the uh, Heimlich County Rodeo, the Arlen Rodeo. However, Bobby, you know, like myself, short, portly, awkward, unathletic. Uh, he can't cut it, but he starts to be a rodeo clown in secret, much to the chagrin of his father. And when his father finally finds out, it results in one of the best, uh, just dry things in the whole show. You know, every episode, I think literally every episode, you have, you know, Hank, Bill, Boomhauer, and Dale standing out in the alley with a beer going, yep, yep, mm-hmm, yep. So in this one, you had uh, everyone just going, yep, yep, Hank is just, and then Dale pipes in. Do 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 do. Shut up, Dale. Uh, you know Bobby has a rodeo clown, and then finally there's a part part in the episode where Joseph is about to be gored, and then Hank finally is like, "Okay, I'm okay with this, uh, Bobby. I have to encourage you now. Uh, get out there and save Joseph." Blah blah blah. Uh, the PJs is next here, which was a short-lived claymation african-american comedy uh style show that was on around around the same time slot as simpsons king of the hell family guy and this one was uh with eddie murphy he plays a superintendent of a apart a poor apartment complex in a sketchy part of town so this one was how the super stole christmas the superintendent eddie murphy repossesses a bunch of stuff from his clients to give his wife Muriel a present. Of course, it backfires and they find out and they beat the crap out of him. Futurama Xmas story. My goodness, this is one that I go back to just about every Christmas. Uh, this was um, the eighth episode of the second season of Futurama. Although it aired on December 19th, 1999, the show was on hiatus. It stars... <clears throat> I guess stars John Goodman as Robot Santa. And it's, uh, you know, Fry is beginning to feel nostalgic and misses 20th century Christmas. So to cheer him up, the Planet Express staff decide to decorate what is now called Xmas. Uh, 
and they cut down an Xmas tree, which was a palm tree. Pine trees are since been extinct. Fry begins, you know, moping about Christmas and unknowingly agitates Leela, who felt not happy about Christmas since she was an orphan. So they have a, they have a thing, you know. They warn him about Santa Claus, you know, get in before sundown or Santa Claus will come kill you. And then Professor Farnsworth reveals that in 2801, Mom's friendly robot company developed a robotic version of Saint Nick himself to determine who's been naughty and who's been nice. But due to a programming error, uh, Santa deemed everyone naughty. So, you know, this is now the reverse Christmas story where Santa is coming to kill everybody. You know, Bender, won't you join my slaying tonight? Ah, very good. And, you know, they have the whole spiel with robot Santas chasing them down. And then they sing, instead of Santa Claus is coming to town, Santa Claus is gunning you down. Ah, so good. Uh, these, so great to go back and re relive these folks. It's, it's really awesome. Now, I'm going to take a quick non-commercial commercial break. Going to talk quickly about WCW and ECW, what they were doing at this point in time, because they were about a year away from not existing. And uh, since uh, Brother Mance from the Gift of Podcast is, uh, he didn't finish uh, talking about bad WCW. Mance, it's okay with you. I might uh, take it on to the 20 bell salute, at least for at least be as brief as I can and not actually have to watch it <laughs> because you are, you're a champ for, for going through that, man. And I want to thank you, Bob Mance just um, finished his last gift of podcast on the Russell Attic radio network. And I'm not sure you'll hear this buddy, but I just want to say thank you. You have been just a great listen for the past. I think I, I, Past couple of years, I remember I, I discovered you when you were on the Rant with Ant feed and you were doing the 966 radio with Maddie Wilson and the Shoot Style podcast with Gia Kobe. Yeah, my goodness, just everything you do is great. Uh, I wish you nothing but the best. I wish nothing but the best for your family. And yeah, also, I just want to also give a shout out to the Fourth Wall Wrestlecast who also announced that they have left the network too. Uh, my goodness, everyone's left WrestleMania Radio. It's just me and Nate and the Kings of the Rings. Folks, we're going to be in for uh we're going to be in for a change so my my commercial here will be slightly outdated. So tune in after the break folks and we'll be talking about some wrestling. What's up, everyone? This is Mike number two of the Kings of the Rings podcast, a.k.a. Will Tarashuk, a.k.a. the founder, a.k.a. the proprietor. And you guys, do you have $5? I'm employed now, so I can afford $5 a month. And if you can afford just five American dollars a month, that's an Abraham Lincoln, not the brass one. You can get some great content on our Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon page with awesome content, including Wrestle Wars, where me, yours truly, goes back to the Monday Night Wars and goes week by week and see who really one in my scoring system. You have Watch the Throne with our own King Ricky Rose and a bunch of other content, mainly Jeff talking about his tattoos. So join us for $5 a month on the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon page. You won't regret it. You're going to love it. And we're going to love having you. Peace. Peace. <laughs> 
Welcome back to the 20 Bell Salute. I'm Mr. Fretz. This is on the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon page, as well as my personal feed on Anchor.fm. Uh, you can find Wrestle Addict Radio at addict underscore wrestle, my co-host and good brother Nate the F and Great at Real F and Game, the Kings of the Rings podcast at KOTR underscore podcast, and I have to give a shout out to DFDC's Jeff Hamachio. Uh, Mance Chapel from the Gift of Podcast and the Fourth Wall Podcast guys, uh, JC Bones, Doc Haas, and Smarky himself. So, what's WCW and ECW been doing in the year 2000? Well, not that good. So, sold out 2000 here. It took place in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, and this was. I don't know. This is this was just around, uh, you know, WCW was getting bad. Uh, Russo had just came back, <coughs> excuse me, and I don't think he was really responsible, but he kind of helped. In in reality, what killed WCW was a, was a lack of TV deal and finances and other things. So. The results here is a 12-match card, 12 matches on three hours. Holy crap. So we had Billy Kidman defeating Dean Malenko in a catch-as-catch-can match, whatever that is. Vampiro defeated David Flair and Crowbar with Daphne in a handicap match. We had the Mamelukes, Big Video and Johnny the Bull with Disco Inferno defeating the Harris Brothers, you know, a.k.a. Jacob and Eli Blue. Uh, Skull and Eight Ball, the the Disciples of Apocalypse. We had Oklahoma, the terrible, terrible uh, Jim Ross impersonator insulter played by Ed Ferrara, defeated Medusa for the Cruiserweight Championship. What? Really? Really? Ugh. Brian Nobbs retained his WCW hardcore title against Fit Finley, Norman Smiley, and Meng in a fatal four-way match. And then Billy Kidman wrestled again, defeating Perry Saturn in a bunkhouse brawl. Booker T defeated Stevie Ray by disqualification. Tank Abbott defeated Jerry Flynn. Jerry Flynn. If you watched as much WCW Saturday Night as I have, you would know that Jerry Flynn was the perennial enhancement talent or the perennial opening card guy. Now, he was a bit of a, mis a mixed martial artist guy. He did a bit of Porosu. He did wrestling. <clears throat> this is Jerry Flynn's sole pay-per-view pay appearance other than probably the uh, World War III Battle Royal because, well, that had like, what, 60 people in it and two rings. So he had to have been at least one of them. 
Buff Bagwell defeated DDP in a last man standing match. The Wall with Shane Douglas defeated Bit. Did Billy Kibben wrestle three matches on this pay-per-view? Oh, my goodness. The Wall defeated Billy Kibben in a caged heat match. Kevin Nash defeated Terry Funk and in the process became the WCW commissioner. And in the main event, in a match that kind of had controversy veiled around it, Chris Benoit defeated Sid Vicious by submission to win the vacant WCW World Heavyweight title. Now, a couple of things with this. Uh, Chris Benoit was nearing the end of his uh, tenure in WCW because the next night on Monday Night Raw, him, Eddie Guerrero, Perry Saturn, and Dean Malenko would appear and run roughshod on Raw. So Chris Benoit was stripped of the title the next night. Uh, Arn Anderson determined that Sid Vicious's foot was under the rope when he tapped out. So there was another tournament in which Sid Vicious would beat the Nitros. Uh, not not Nitro. Uh, would on Nitro take two. Sid Vicious would defeat the Harris brothers for the right to face Kevin Nash. And then Vicious defeated Nash, and then this started the cycle of hot potato vacancy and bullcrap that the WCW title would go through throughout 2000. Yikes. Now, ECW, however, had guilty as charged 2000. And it took place in Birmingham, Alabama on January 9th, 2000. And this card actually looks half decent. I mean, we had C.W. Anderson with Louis Dangerously and Billy Wiles defeating Mikey Whipwreck. Louis Dangerously. He was kind of like a, a ripoff of Paul E. Dangerously, obviously. He was kind of like uh, those bits that WWE used to put on, on Raw with the Huckster and Nacho Man and Scheme Gene. This was that, but done better. Danny Doring, Roadkill, and Simon Diamond defeated Nova, Kid Cash, and Jazz in a six-person tag match. I think that would be a barn burner. Yoshihiro Tajiri and Super Crazy defeated Little Guido and Jerry Lynn in a tag team match, and I imagine that would have been great too. Angel defeated New Jack in a singles match. Uh, Angel with DeVito and Vic Grimes. I believe they were called the Baldies. We had Rob Van Dam retaining the TV title against Sabu. Uh, the Impact players, Lance Storm and Justin Credible, defeating Tommy Dreamer and Raven for the tag titles. And then Mike Awesome retaining the World Heavyweight title, the ECW title, against Spike Dudley. And Spike Dudley probably got thrown around like a sack of potatoes. So now, what we have here is Royal Rumble 2000. Now, this is one of my favorites. This is just pure nostalgia that I rewatched a lot. I was in the midst of 10th grade 
My obsession with wrestling and tape trading with my classmates was at an all-time high. This one in particular was absolutely tossed around a lot and traded between me and my friends. So I'm going to be going over this event before taking one more break and actually talking about the Royal Rumble match. Starting off here, we have Kurt Angle in the ring. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, going up against a mystery opponent. He holds an open challenge. And now I am watching this and thinking, wow, it is so strange to hear Kurt Angle's theme without the You Suck chance. Uh, Angle had been on an undefeated streak since he debuted at Survivor Series. And he held an open challenge inviting anybody to the ring to give it his all. And, well, a lot of people we're kind of figuring out that it was going to be Taz because we saw these little vignettes on TV with uh, orange and the number 13 and like the heartbeats and the beep, beep, beep. Everyone knew it was Taz. I mean, the Madison square garden, they were chanting Taz. They knew he was, he was there. So out he comes. And if you're a longtime fan of Botchamania or the attitude era podcast, you would know the, just the delayed mic and the delayed reaction of of JR King trying to get his attention. Uh, Fink's mic was malfunctioning, and then you finally hear J, uh, JR go, Rich Taz! Rich Taz! Uh, so Taz wastes no time hitting an alphabet of suplexes from belly to belly to underhook because I can't think of a suplex that ends, that begins with A or Z. Uh, Kurt hits a German suplex himself, but Taz kicks out, walks in the Taz mission, and wins. JR and King call it an illegal choke or an illegal move when really it's just a different version of the sleeper. Come on, guys. Uh, this controversy, this decision, is later overturned, and Angle would remain undefeated until The Rock pins him around just before Mania time. This was a great way to debut Taz, but this is as high as he would get on the card, unfortunately. Coming up next here, we had a tables match between the Hardy Boys and the Dubby Boys. Oh, man, we know this is going to be good. Well, where do we start here? We start with a painfully awkward interview with the Hardy Boys and Terry and this whole thing about Terry's like, oh, yeah, we're going to go out there and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, Jeff's like, and Jeff tells her in that southern accent, Terry, no. You know how dangerous it's going to be tonight? Um, you can't, yeah, they're so blah, blah, blah. You can't be out there tonight. It's going to be dangerous. The boys are dangerous, blah, blah, blah. So since she's taking part in uh, another segment that's gonna scar me for life that's fine the dovey boys get the cheap heat and they mention uh john rocker which if you mention him in new york city uh you get all of the booze and the heat google it kids uh classic tandem tag team offense baba set gets set up on a table and jeff tightrope walks along the barricade but gets said table right into face a double superplex through the table is stopped by Devon. Uh, 
etc. All these table spots, these teased table spots. This is just going off. Uh, so the double superplex, even without the table, makes my fused spine tingle. And then, oh boy, here comes a ladder. And I'm convinced that TLC was conceived here and born preemie at SummerSlam. How beautiful. Uh, now I hear air horns. F right off. And I'm glad these stupid things are banned because I hate, like, every time there's a spot or every time there's something in the in a match. So Matt Hardy sets up a ladder and the Hardy boys hit Event Omega on the outside through a table. <coughs> Excuse me. So Jeff comes and Jeff comes out of camera's view. So kind of out of nowhere in a pre-RKO thing. And oh, no, it's not over. This is one of those matches where both teammates have to be put through a table to be eliminated, even though I think they're kind of still in the match. So the Dudley boys set up a table between the ring steps, uh, between each ring steps, like back to back, and Matt gets super powerbombed through it. Ouch. To which JR says, there's going to be some erection destruction here tonight. Uh, don't make me quote Ingo Montoya, Jim. Don't make me do it. This podcast is sponsored by Blue Chew. Uh, so now, if Devon or Jeff go through the table, they are eliminated, and whatever team wins. So early table matches, I guess we're kind of convoluted. So there's a brawl in the crowd that eventually leads to Jeff being on a balcony. Uh, Jeff chairs Bubba in the head, who goes through a stack of tables. And then there's another table set up, set up with... Devon on top of it, and then Jeff Swantons onto Devon off of that balcony through another table and wins. Now, this is one of those classic MSG uh, shots just burned into our memories, used in all of the packages. Uh, this match would have been a hell of a lot better if there were some tag team titles on the line. Uh, this is a five-star classic. It's a precursor of what's to come in the tag division. But uh, there should have been something at stake here. At least, I, I don't know if there was a number one contendership or not. I can't remember. Uh, I'm looking at my blog here where I covered this, and it's not saying anything. The only thing about this match is the unprotected chair shots. They do not age well, and they kind of make me cringe. Speaking of cringe, do I have to do this? Miss Rumble 2000. So out come the ladies to parade around in bikinis. Here comes Luna Vachon, Ivory, B.B. Bush, remember B.B.? Jackie, Terry, the cat, and May Young. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. No. So they all disrobe. They do their spot. Uh, the cat has a bubble wrap bikini. Okay, that's kind of creative. That's kind of cool. I'll, I'll give her points for that. And after all these ladies degrade themselves around a horny lawler and try to 
keep their distance from him so they don't get poked by his throbbing erection. Mayung comes out now and excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, May takes off her top. And we see in air quotes 80-year-old puppies. Mercifully, it's fake. It's a bodysuit. But oh they made it look like it was something. And then the winner is announced <laughs> as May Young. I guess I should have mentioned that the judges were all like old. They're Sergeant Slaughter, Freddie Blassie, Gianni Valiant. They were all these Hall of Famers that were being judges to this Miss Rumble competition. So these ladies, other than Mae Young, were out to give the lads a wank. Well, at least until Mae Young came out. And then uh, not even Blue Chew can, can, save us, can save that one. At least Luna and Ivory had some semblance of character by refusing to take part, uh, which was also ironic because Ivory would join the right to censor. Okay. No, no, no. That, that was bad. Next here, we had an Intercontinental Championship triple threat match with Hardcore Holly going up against co-champions Chris Jericho and China. Welcome to Madison Square Jericho. Oh, what a what an ovation. Uh, to be 15 again. Jericho comes out to a deafening ovation in the arena where his father, Ted Irvin, played for the New York Rangers. Completely full circle, Nate. Take a shot. Jericho said that when he wins the title, and he does, he'll make the Millennium Celebration from Times Square seem like his sister's seventh birthday party. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> I've been to some pretty cool birthday parties when I was a kid, Chris. If it's not to the caliber of the Festival of Friendship, count me out. Now, this match is kind of sloppy, and all three of these can put on better ones, even China. Rest in peace. The co-champions fail to coexist because the winner of this match is the undisputed Intercontinental Champion. Holly hits a picture-perfect dropkick, and King describes Mae Young's puppies as a horror movie. Uh, I guess we can see what's on the commentators' minds here. So Jericho locks in the walls of Jericho. China breaks it up. Oh, locks in the walls on Holly, and China breaks it up. Jericho hits an impressive double jump crossbody to the outside, and in return, uh, return China hits her impressive handspring elbow. I know virtually every female did it after this, but looking back then and coming from a fat guy who can't do a somersault, I think it's impressive. China locks in the walls of Jericho on Bob, but Terico Jake T Jericho takes umbrage and hits the face crusher line salt combo for the win. And next up here, oh, The Rock. Classic Rock promo. I'm pouring a glass of shut up juice as I speak. So Rock says, you know, he worries about Crash Holly and Headbanger Moss being threats in the Royal Rumble. If he can get past them, he's fine. I don't know about Thrasher, though. 
Cole mentions the big show, and Rock tells Cole to fix him up a tall glass of shut-up juice. Classic. Now I'm thirsty. I'm going to get a beer. He wipes the monkey's ass with what the big show thinks. Ugh, TMI, dude. And then the, if you smell... Ugh, classic rock promos that were often shouted through the halls of Brock High School. I'm telling my friends to get a bottle of shut-up juice from the vending machine, doom the eyebrow, a skill that I easily mastered. And with Austin out of the picture due to injury, the rock was our de facto guy. He was the coolest of the cool. And I once tried using the rock's speech, the rock's mannerisms, a rock promo to get voted into a position in student council. Spoiler alert, it worked. What didn't work was this very short match for the tag team titles, the New Age Outlaws and the Acolytes. The promo package was literally longer than the match. Turns into a schmoz, X-Pac interferes, he eats a spine buster, Billy heats the Famouser, and they retain. Okay. Now, here we go. WWE Championship, Street Fight, Triple H, Cactus Jack. The promo before this match was a masterpiece. The setup to this match was the best. Because he got Mankind, got defeated by Triple H, got fired, excuse me, got humiliated. And then comes, then, then Foley comes back. And it's just the build up to this, like, Foley realizes that he can't win as himself or as mankind. The fans deserve a substitute for this match. And while he's talking, he takes off his mask. And a man you know very well takes off his shirt. It's Cactus Jack! Oh, I am just flown back to Raw from MSG in 97. And it, it's fate. It is fate that this feud ended up back in MSG. That their feud would end up back here. Foley was right at the end of his in-ring career in WWE. And he knew it. And what he wanted to do was to put Triple H over and just put on barn burners with him. So right away, we have Stephanie accompanying her man Triple H to the ring, but it's told to go backstage. I mean, this is going to be brutal. They trade blows. Cactus takes control in the ring. And it spills onto the outside, and Triple H smokes Cactus Jack right in the face with a chair. And I cringe because memories of Rumble 99 come flooding back. Uh, I remember reviewing that with, with Nate when we were on the Game Changer pre WrestleLotic Radio. We covered this last year. Ugh. And in one of No Mercy's for the N64, best entranceways, Jack suplexes Triple H onto a wooden pallet, and then he does his squealing like a pig, like he did as Mankind in 96. The way uh, Triple H eventually suplexes Jack onto a trash can. They go back towards the ring. Cactus Jack nails Triple H with his corner knee into the ring steps. Cactus Jack finds his old friend Barbie, the barbed wire bat. Uh, Triple H is the, hits a low blow, uses it on Jack himself. Cactus goes for a pile driver through the announce table, but it's backdrop through it. Handcuffs and chairs get involved. Oh, big time deja vu. <clears throat> Back at the entrance, Foley is still in cuffs. He's on his, he's goading Triple H on to hit him with a chair. It's like, you're going to have to kill me. 
And then out of nowhere, like an RKO, The Rock appears out of the gorilla position to nail Triple H with a chair. Foley gets out of the handcuffs and just goes to town. Cactus Jack gets pile-drived on, not through the, I think, no. Triple H gets pile-drived on, not through the announce table, spiked him. Cactus Jack grabs Triple H back to the ring. Stephanie comes out to distract Cactus Jack. Oh, there's a pedigree. Oh, come on. Kick out. Thumbtacks. Cactus Jack eats a pedigree into the thumbtacks for the win. Triple H retains the WWE title in this amazing, brutal match. Great storytelling from beginning to end. A near-perfect match. And then for good measure, at the end of this match, uh, Cactus Jack gets his heat back, hits Triple H with the barbed wire, and we're not finished. We are not finished with these two. Uh, oh, just wait till next month. I might do a watch-along for the for the street fight, now that I think of it. So, folks, that is it for this part. Uh, stay tuned. I'm going to do a watch-along of the Royal Rumble match. Uh, if you can go on to the WWE Network, or if you have a DVD rip like I am using, I don't know what time, timestamp you'd have to find, but if you go right to the beginning of the Rumble match when you see D'Lo Brown's Titan Tron, it's at about an hour and such remaining. So join me for a Royal Rumble watch-along. And stay tuned. And welcome back, folks. This is the Royal Rumble 2000 watch-along, where I'm going to be going over the Royal Rumble match here. If you go to the WWE Network, go to the part, I think, with about an hour or so remaining. Howard Finkel's in the ring, about to explain the rules of the Rumble match, and there are people cleaning up the thumbtacks. So, here we go. It is now time for the Royal uh. There's Fink. There's that taxi over the over the top of the ring. Just awesome. Those two individuals who drew numbers one and two will enter the ring, and the match will begin. Here we go. In regularly scheduled intervals of two minutes or less, another superstar. Two minutes or less. According to the number. Not a specific amount of time. That's interesting. Elimination occurs when a superstar is thrown out of the ring. Both feet must touch the floor. That's going to come right, into play. Obviously, now they're going to be talking about 1995 here in a minute. They're going to go back in time and talk about 95. And while that promo goes on, I'm going to go get something to drink. Uh... Man, I wish the Bulldog won that Rumble, to be honest with you. Would have been great to see him in the world title picture. I love Michaels, but Bulldog, man. Look at that mullet Shawn Michaels had in 95. And he gets to have the ring, share the ring with Pamela Anderson. Whew. Man, lucky guy. Pamela, that have been the time I was going through puberty up. <clears throat> Never mind, I'm not going to talk about that. And now here comes number one, Dilo Brown. We talk about the real deal now. Oh man, Dilo Brown was my boy. Euro Continental Champion, the best. I think he was the best European champion ever. Yeah, doing the whole. 
shaky head thing. This was just after... I think D'Lo was hitting a bit of a slump at this point. Um, mentally dealing with the whole thing with draws and that accident there was kind of weighing on him. And here comes the, the late Brian Lawler, Grandmaster Sexay from Too Cool. Much to the chagrin of his estranged father, or denying father, Jerry the King Lawler. Aw, oh, man. Remember when Too Cool was cool? Uh, do, doing the thing here. Uh, I for no mercy for the N64. I just absolutely loved playing in this stage because I loved that friggin' taxi cab hanging above the ring. Uh, just t taking me all the way back. And they're wasting no time. And now we have D'Lo Brown having a spiel here with Grandmaster Sexay. A match that I think we probably saw in USWA a whole lot when. USWA was kind of being the the feeding ground for the WWE. Snapmare takeover, and D'Lo Brown gives him a boot. Xbox has won the right to be number thirty. I wish they bring back that stipulation. I haven't seen that in a few years. Number thirty has been reserved for like surprises as of late, like that time Dolph Ziggler retired and didn't. And he reversed out of the running powerbomb into her and Conrana. That was definitely motion packed for the No Mercy game. I can tell right here that they started doing a whole bunch of the stuff for that game at this pay-per-view itself. And, uh, Brian Christopher here doing doing a dance and a top rope dropkick. Oh, that iconic laugh. My throat's kind of dry, or else I'd try it. I don't have that much water left in my bottle, so I'm trying to make it last. Here we go. And we have D'Lo Brown's on the ropes. And night. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Who's next? Headbanger with... Headbanger Mosh with those big foam boobs. Remember though, he had those. I think he's trying to cosplay as May Young. Ah, uh, Lawler just took the words out of my mouth. Is that a tribute to May Young? Oh, uh, here's Kai and Tai crashing the ring for no reason. They're not in this match, and now they're going to get tossed out. There, Funaki's gone, and Taka gets suplexed right on his junk on the rope, and Kai and Tai's gone. Or are they? Now we have three people in this ring. Headbanger Mosh, one of the people that The Rock said he was going to worry about. Uh, how, how fast the headbangers went down the card? Because in 97, at least in my mind, they were kind of over because, well, metal, rock, and grunge music was still kind of over. And Sky High. Calls it a powerbomb, JR. It's sky high. It's only his finishing move. There's a bulldog by Grandmaster 6A. I'm out of water. I might have to get up and get a beer here in a minute. And now, yeah, Thrasher's wearing the these rainbow leggings or socks or rainbow pantyhose. He's got this dress. He's got these big foam tits. 
And we got five seconds before another person comes out. I don't know what their gimmick was supposed to be at this point in time. He's wearing a mesh shirt. Ah, uh, here comes Christian. Ah, uh, to that awesome Blood Brother theme. Yes. That was a very short-lived entrance scene, and I think it's on WWF The Music Volume 4. Christian, my boy. Oh, Mosh is going to go for a powerbomb. Christian hits the reverse DDT. That is mistakenly called the Impaler on numerous occasions. Oh, boy. I should have got another thing to drink. I might leave the mic for a minute and get something to drink. I just took a sip of Pepto just to get some liquid in my mouth. I don't know why I just did that. I'm an idiot. And we have a nice shot here. There's four guys in the ring. The ring's starting to pile up. D'Lo Brown almost eliminated. Not quite. Now they're trying. Back suplex. Christian lands right on his head. Oh my goodness. Yeah. When the next person comes out, I might go. I might leave the mic for a minute. Folks, and uh, grab it, grab something to drink. I'll get like a pop or a beer or something. I don't drink a lot of pop, but I have some Coke in my fridge. I might, might as well drink. And yeah, got the corner spot. Got everyone's just hanging out in the corner now. What is with Mosh's outfit? I just don't get it. I mean, they're supposed to be heavy metal guys, but heavy metal guys don't wear skirts, mesh shirts, and rainbow socks. Okay, two, one, here comes someone else. I think it's going to be Rikishi. Ha! Called it! <laughs> I guess I've watched this a few too many times, eh? Okay, here he comes. He's going to eliminate everybody else. I'm getting something to drink. Be right back. There goes Christian. There goes my boy. There. Nope. That was D'Lo. Now Christian's going to be gone. Nope, that was Mosh. Now Christian. Christian just gets sailed over the rope. D'Lo, who's a big boy himself. Running neck breaker. Okay. He's going for the shaky head leg drop. A move that I definitely assigned to my creator wrestler in No Mercy. And he's back up. Is Rikishi the themed? My goodness, look at him. And, oh, oh, Rikishi Driver. Here we go. And Grandmaster Sexay is egging him on and celebrating. I think I know who's coming up next. And it's going to be iconic. Except not that iconic. Oh, there we go. Oh, every man for himself, Kish. Going for that title, boy. You do it for The Rock. You do it. I did it. For too cool. Oh, seven, six, five. I wonder who's coming out. One, two thirds of too cool are here. Ah, Scotty. Bucket hat with a hole on top of it with the spikes poking out of it. He's just missing the frosted tips. Oh, we're going to get the dance, folks. Let's let this sink in for a bit. There's the yellow shades. You know what that means. Business is picking up. And the crowd is loving this.
Look at that big ass. Oh, worm? Are we seeing the worm? There it is. Yeah, try doing that if you have a fused spine. Or don't. Oh, oh, Keisha's thinking. Here against the ropes. And he took him out. Aw, oh, no, Keish. Aw, oh, bro. He gives him the shrug. Hey, every man for himself. Everyone's going for that title shot. I mean, would you do the same thing? But he's like, hey. Hey, man. Now he's just going to dance for a little bit by himself. Lights go down. <coughs> Everyone's taking their stuff. Scotty's hat's still on the ring. Oh, and Keisha's putting a little salt in the wound by putting on Scotty's hat. What a dick. <laughs> now I see why Too Cool was kind of omitted from the Hall of Fame speech. Oh, here comes someone else. Business is about to pick up. I think it's gonna be... Oh, look at that ass. Ooh, yikes. Steve Blackman. Hello. Lethal weapon. Uh, fun fact about Steve Blackman. Uh, he was actually pump kick. He was actually signed by the WWF in um, the 80s. However, he was on a trip overseas and he contracted malaria he almost died he was bedridden for several years and he basically had to relearn how to do everything walk Rikishi driver uh, walk and train and he ended up back in the WWF in 1997 making his debut at the Survivor Series uh, malaria though uh, my, go my goodness I mean and Steve Blackman still looks exactly the same today. He is shredded. He's goals, man. Uh, working hard is hard work. <laughs> if I could find a way to do, so to do something at home without having to drive a half hour to go work out at a gym, I would so do it. Uh, and now he's just standing in the ring waiting for the next person. I guess when you play uh, No Mercy Battle Royal mode and you... Uh, give everyone the Bradshaw hammer which is that that hammer attack that just sends everyone flying I mean that's what I used for my guy for was it no no mercy battle royal mode the, the endless the one that didn't end ever and here's somebody else oh boy here's viscera and you can just hear the crowd go like oh no viscera formerly known as uh, Mabel, and who would later be known as Big Daddy V, the late Nelson Fraser. Uh, he's a big fella. This guy's like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he's probably four or 500 pounds. Looks like he's wearing a garbage bag for a, for a shirt, though. Like a garbage bag poncho and belly-to-belly -belly suplex. I hope the ring is reinforced. My goodness. Imagine if those guys did the... That, that big show Brock Lesnar ring collapsing spot. Like, well, they could have. I'm sorry, that's my water bottle clap going. Take another swig of water. Yep, now Viscera, Rikishi, two big guys. Um, 
Men on a mission, they had to have wrestled the head shrinkers. So these guys are no stranger to each other. Uh, haven't been in the WWF previously. You know, Fatu, I believe he was in the WWE maybe in the 80s. So I remember, no, that was Haku and Tama. They were the Islanders. And they were uh, a tag team managed by Bobby Heenan. Uh, Rikishi was in the Superkick, was in the NWA as the Samoan SWAT team, not the SWAT team. Something. He was the head, he was part of the head shrinkers. And Rikishi hits three super kicks, hits a shoulder block, and Viscera's gone. And I thought it was weird that they called him Viscera. Because isn't Viscera like the dictionary term like poop? That's that's sick. And here comes someone else. Oh, boss man. Big boss man behaving badly. I believe he was the hardcore champion at this point. Uh, just fresh off of his feud with Al Snow. No, with a big show. You know, crashing Big Show's dad's funeral and uh, uh, smashing his watch and revealing that the Big Show's a nasty bastard and your mama said so. And then there was the feud with Al Snow and the kennel from hell. Bossman's taking his time getting in the ring. He's smart. He's a veteran. I mean, yeah, Bo Bossman wrestled Fatu and as the head shrinkers, I'm pretty sure as well. And he, yep, yeah, see, he's not getting in the ring yet. Bossman's a smart guy. If you think he's a coward, but no, no, he's waiting. He's waiting for someone else to get in the ring so they could have an advantage over him. Genius. Ah, oh, rest in peace, Bossman. You were. One of a kind. Little Cal Cobb County, Georgia. Uh, serving hard time, man. Just childhood classic. There is a giant WWF logo at the entranceway that is being blurred out and it obstructed Bossman's face here. So whoever edited this... Oh, middle finger. So whoever edited this DVD rip... This is this is pre-network, folks. So, quality's a bit sketchy. You know, these fans are giving out. He's starting chirping the fans. That's one thing he was good at. Oh, new person. Test. Oh, someone who's been having a feud with Boss Man. There we go. These two have been feuding over the hardcore title as of late, and I think Test beat him for the title just before or after this. Ah, oh, another. Ah, oh, he's another guy who's not with us anymore. Back body drop on the outside. Andrew Martin, test. Uh, he grew up just an hour away from where I grew up. Uh, he's from Oshawa, Ontario. I was from Cannington. And that was, uh, yeah, Oshawa was the home to a famous, pretty big Ford General Motors plant that just closed its doors, I think. Really sad. And I lived down the street with some Martins, and I... I, I never asked them if they were related to Andrew Test, the Punisher. He probably was. Oh, there's a couple of nutsack shots in a row here. Oh, no disqualification, am I right? <laughs> oh, boy. God, why do they always got to go right up Rikichi's butthole with all those shots with him? That's a not a nice ass. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not afraid to admit when a dude has a nice butt, that is not Rikishi. I mean, I, I love him and all, but my goodness. Now we have these three who could 
put on a good triple threat hardcore match just fighting and here we go another person I'm almost out of water again I might have to go get a beer now oh arr, arr, arr. British Bulldog just a shell of himself here he I know he was hired kind of as a favor to Stu Hart but uh, Bulldog was just not himself I mean he, he died only two years after this that's the really really sad part um, and you know although I'm Canadian you know but because of the Bulldogs affiliation in relation with the Hart family he's kind of one of our adopted sons up here uh, and I, I know some people out in Britain who just they the Bulldog was their their boy he was their representation in, in wrestling for a while and Rikishi's about to bonsai drop this guy but oh low blow by Davy Boy uh, yeah Davy Boy at this point in time he he couldn't move he couldn't really take good bumps and his back was buggered and after he took that backdrop onto that whole trapdoor deal in WCW he wasn't the same and he had he had to have some really bad back surgery I think it got infected and it's really unfortunate how how it ended up with him I I wish that his run at this point in time that he was healthy he could go he could have had a brief a brief title run here we go next person I think I know who it is but I'm probably wrong oh here he is Gangrel coming out with his with a with a glass of wine doing that whole vampire blood spit thing man I and he puts his glasses in the blood dude <laughs> Oh, that's one thing I didn't I never noticed about this event is when Gangrel comes to the ring, he does the, he does the sip and the blood spear. Here comes Kaintai again. What are they doing back? Oh, Funaki's test just tosses out Funaki. Gangrel is beating him up. And oh Taka falls right on his face. Oh man. Get Gangrel and Davy Boy double team him and Taka's dead. is he down? He's oh no, he falls right on his face. But this isn't the the one bump they take. He takes two bumps right on his face. Talk is a he was a champ. He's still going too. I think he's probably going to be wrestling at uh, Wrestle Kingdom this week. Uh, by the time you folks hear this, Wrestle Kingdom will have been over, and you know I'm hoping to actually be able to catch it. Probably a replay a day or two after. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they said Taco went for the 203 area code. Shout out to my New Yorker friends. Um, that's most of the WrestleLock radio people, whether they're New York or New Jersey. Uh, yeah, I, I think of uh, yeah King Ricky, DFDC, Kate, you're on the New York area, I, I, I imagine, right? And here comes Edge. He gets a pop. A young stud Edge. Orangeville, Ontario's own. Orangeville being about two hours outside of town here, two hours, I want to say north, 
maybe northeast of here yeah that's a that's a guy I, I i was so sad when he announced his retirement it's almost been 10 years i think now it's been like eight or nine uh and edge is almost on his way out already yeah uh i was actually just watching the new year's revolution 06 when he cashed in his first money in the bank and just think of how long from this point that he came from from there to there and that was what six years yeah from january 00 to january 06 yeah my, my goodness and the boss man is about to eat a bonsai drop or the rump shaker boom down he goes boss man's pancaked boss man can't breathe bulldog jumps him from behind and I think we're about to get uh, everyone's going to start getting up on Rikishi. Gangrel. <coughs> Who can lift that big of a fella? Of course, we all know that he is now. Uh, oh, there's that talk of face bump. He took that like a champ. I don't think he's going to be uh, out here again. Test and Edge, uh, Ontario boys, both being trained at the same time at the dungeon. And by um, like Dory Funk and all them, he they, they go way back. Here, hail to the chief! Oh my God, it's Bob Backlund. <laughs> what the hell is he doing here? Old duck arse himself. He gets a pop, this guy. Former WWWF champion. Going back to the 70s, I think he was the guy that unseated um, Bruno Sammartino's second reign. Yeah, Blackland had a brief deal with Kurt Angle at this point in time, I, I, I seem to remember. Good, good times. Good, good times. And Rikishi's gone. After having his elimination streak broken, he is gone. Took six guys to eliminate the 400-pound Rikishi. And I just got a notification on my phone. The NHL Winter Classic is today. And, huh, somebody was handed a major and a game misconduct for an, a high hit on Ryan Ellis. Yeah, a Winter Classic hockey game between Dallas and Nashville. Do any of those places even know what snow is? I don't get it, folks. NHL is weird. Go Leafs go. <clears throat> now we got Backlund's in the corner with Davy Boy and uh, Boss Man. In a parallel universe, this would have been some kind of title feud in the 80s. We have Gangrel and his former running buddy on the brood, Edge. Gangrel is cradling him over the ring. Edge is got got the knees up. He's, he's preventing it. Now Edge and Gangrel, that's a feud I wish that we had a proper blow-off with. But... Nah, Gangrel was gone. And, oh, here he is. Chris Jericho. El Champion. The Lexicon of Le Champion. The List. The leader of the Inner Circle. 20 years later. And, oh, he's, and he's still going. Bob Backlund hits his, hits his atomic drop. But Jericho dropkicks Bob Backlund, eliminating him from the match. Jericho had just won the Intercontinental title. 
the undisputed intercontinental title, if you will. Uh, JR just referenced um, <clears throat> Ted Irvin, Chris Jericho's father, playing for the Rangers. Uh, Ted Irvin, uh, he was funny on, on Dynamite. Um, I apologize to headphone users for the rest of this match. I don't know how, how this is going to sound, but I want to experiment with this. I am doing a, a Royal Rumble watch along. Royal Rumble watch along later this month with with Nate on the Game Changer podcast, and Bob Backlund is just walking up the crowd. I guess he's got a campaign. Yeah, what what was it in two thousand? Uh, Bush and Gore. Ugh. Yeah, come on, Backlund, you could have got in there. Maybe it's time we put a wrestler in the White House. Yeah, I'm disappointed that Jesse Ventura never got to do it, but. I guess now we realize that celebrities in the White House is not a good mix. And five seconds to go to the next participant. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh. One of the... Crash Holly. Oh, man. This one of my low-key favorites at the time. He was just... Nothing but comedy. Allegedly over 400 pounds, Crash Holly. And now they spank him because he's a child, because he's a, because Mike Lockwood was a small guy. It's funny, haha. -ha. But we're just a few months away from Crash Holly's um, hardcore title run and the birth of the 24-7 rule. And just everything he did back then is golden. Um, I kind of appreciate how WWE's Kind of is trying to recapture the magic of that with the 24-7 championship but I think it's just I mean it's not going so well I mean when you're interrupting a fucking women's match just to do a chase around the ring out to the arena something's off I mean ugh yeah but Crash Holly just the innovator of the 24-7 rule whether you're in a hotel room whether you're at uh like the family fun center, you're at the airport, <clears throat> you're sleeping backstage and getting pinned for the title. Oh man, five more seconds and another person's coming out. Jerry Lawler's predicting somebody. Oh, it's China. Here we go. Oh. How many people in this match alone are no longer with us? We got China, Crash Holly, Boss Man, Test, Bulldog. This is depressing. But China's going right after Jericho because they just had their their title match earlier in the night. I mean, <clears throat> China's gonna look to eliminate. Oh, oh, Jericho's got her. Nope. China holds on. China lands on the apron. Gets a headbutt. And looks like we're going to have a suplex to the outside by China. Yep, there goes Jericho. He's gone. And Bossman eliminates China. And there we go. There's the Intercontinental... Two-thirds of the Intercontinental title feud from earlier in the night. All gone. Yeah, Lawler said he's going to try and pick China. Come on, dude. Don't lie like that. And that suplex to the outside animation, I think, was used in No Mercy. And so was that elbow off the apron. 
You can tell there was a lot of motion capturing going on here. Um, again, I apologize for the audio of this. Folks, I'm just I'm trying to see how this is going to sound. If this sounds like crap, I won't do it again personally. But here we go. Next person. Oh, APA. Ah, oh, it's Farouk. Damn! Ron Simmons. That, oh, there goes my microphone. Sorry. And are the Acolytes. And the Mean Street Posse. <laughs> oh. Joey Abs. Pete Gas and Rodney. Whatever happened to Willie Green, though? Remember him? And they eliminated Farouk. But the posse wasn't in this match. I know they're running buddies with Davy Boy at this point in time, but this has not been a good night for people who aren't in the Rumble. I mean, you had Kind Tight earlier, and now you had the posse. I mean, next we're going to see the 24-7 division just come out of a time warp and interrupt this match. Like, I'm expecting to see R-Truth, Eric Young, and No Way Jose just appear out of a out of a Rick and Morty portal right now. Man. And they have... Every, there's a few bunch of people in the ring now. We got Test, got Edge... Boss Man, Bulldog, Gangrel, Crash Holly. And we got 10 seconds to another person coming out. Thinking it might be Bradshaw, but it might be, um... Oh, uh, it won't be The Rock. It might be The Rock. It might be Thrasher. Oh, Road Dog. And the... <clears throat> and the Road Dog's going right after Test for some reason. Since when did they have a feud? Were they both in the car... Corporation? No, they were feuding. Test was feuding with DX at 99. DX versus the corporation. So maybe it goes back to that. Maybe it goes back to their matches. I don't have a clue. Now we have Test and Crash Holly. We want Puppies chant directed at Road Dog. I guess Road Dog was the one who co helped coin the term puppies as a euphemism for boobs I I don't get it I don't get it I do not huh. I can't see how breasts resemble an animal that's yeah that, that's that's weird but now yeah road dog and test a hardcore title feud in an alternate dimension or, or probably was an actual hardcore title feud coming up or in the past, I don't know. I honestly do not know. Ten seconds, we have another person coming here again. Who's it going to be, folks? No. Al Snow. With that rare, weird heel theme he had. And that re weird heel run. After he... um. He threw Mick Foley's <clears throat> book in the trash. Uh, was it that? Have a Nice Day. Mick Foley's, one of the best wrestling biographies of all time. Just still to this day, I might try and read it again or even get an audiobook of it. Just phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. What wasn't phenomenal was Al Snow's heel run. 
Al Snow, I think, was better suited as a comedy babyface in the hardcore division, especially when he started breaking out the bowling balls. Like, when he had someone was laying in the corner, spread eagle, uh, Al Snow would break out a bowling ball and just roll a 7-10 split and roll a bowling ball right into, the, right into their sack. It was so funny. Uh, my, my friends and I always marked out over that. And we were like, yeah, we're totally not going to try that. I know Jackass was doing that kind of stuff. I think even as early as this, but not in a million years. Edge is about to... Nope, he doesn't hit a spear. He hits a high cross body. I think it's well before... This is well before Edge started breaking out the spear as either a finisher or a transitional move. Gengar and Edge just having a blood feud match in the middle of the rumble here. Here's a couple seconds away from somebody else. JR. Oh, I mean, King keeps thinking it's going to be The Rock, but here comes Val Venus, who's more like the cock. Hello, ladies. You know something, ladies? Val Venus, the big Val Boski, performs well under pressure. Oh, here comes Kaintai again. Funaki is there. He's, he just gets unceremoniously canned. Where's Taka? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Taka fell right on his face. I think he got a concussion. Yeah, I, I did cover that fall on the face bump he took. Poor guy. Just he ate that pavement and landed hard. There's one thing Taka could, like, Kaintai, the small guys could do at this point in time, was they could take bumps. Like, Crash Holly could take a good bump. Oh, here's the... Oh! That's a concussion city right there. They just replayed... They replayed that spot so many times in this rumble. It's like that bit when, um... Gene Snitsky eliminated Paul London in 06, and Paul London basically took a bump in which he shooting star pressed himself and just went face first. Uh, I think Paul had another rumble match where he was all like wrapped up in uh, bandages. I think that was the one. I think he was in one, in one at least one other rumble. And here comes three, two, one. Every time King saying it's the Rock, it's the Rock. And here's Albert coming out to draws his entrance theme that. Uh, Edge is gone. Edge is eliminated from the match, folks. Now here comes Prince Albert. And if you want to know what a Prince Albert is, put on safe search when you're Googling that, kids. Trust me. Uh, you know, Albert, he was tagging with draws. I think he's got an a, uh, image imprint of draws on the back of his tights, it looks like. Yeah, he's, he's wearing a singlet, and he's got uh, draws' his face on the back. It's kind of an homage to his former tag partner and his friend uh, and that, that was a career that was just cut so tragically short and it was such a freak accident and a really bad thing I, I feel really bad for him and now here's the Baldo bomb oh not a sit down version he just did the double choke slam at the great call Lee uh, Prince Albert he would always get the shave your back chance like I don't understand it like the guy has a hairy back and he doesn't want to shave it. I have a hairy back. And I will never shave it as long as I live. Because it's it's body hair. I mean, you're meant to leave it alone. 
I mean, that, that, that's just that's just me. I might get absolutely shredded for this. And be like, do you shave your pubes, Fritz? I'm not answering that question. Um, three, two, one. Next person, let's stop talking about body hair. Here comes Hardcore Holly. Allegedly over 400 pounds. And with the amount of muscle mass on him, it's probably easy to see why. But Bob Holly going right after test. There's another Hardcore title feud right there. Uh... Uh, absolutely great. I, I loved the Holly Cousins, the Fighting Cousins thing. Uh, Bob Holly put out a biography a few years ago, and it's you know I highly recommend it. It's a it's a good read. And uh, the Attitude Era podcast actually just released the full, almost six hour edition of the of their audio review of it, their audiobook review of it. Um, yeah. They on their Patreon page, Adam Bibolo has a segment called Bibliotech. Aha, that's funny. I get it. Bibliotech, um, in which they have gone over such wrestler books as The Rock says, uh, Kane's kayfabe book and Kane's new book, actual book, uh, The Hardy Boys Exist to Inspire. I think they did Ryback's book and Triple H's book. Yeah, Triple H had a fitness book back in the day. Ryback has a self-help book, which is one of the weirdest parallel universe things ever. And it's really good. I mean, they if you don't want to read Bob Holly's book, I recommend just going for a drive or a walk and putting in Attitude Era. Uh, Hardcore Holly. There he is. It's The Rock. Foam, bulls everywhere. Rest in peace, Audi uh, headphone listeners. Rest in peace. The Rock is just going off. The crowd is eating this up. The crowd is loving it. This is peak Rock. <clears throat> you know, it woke up. The crowd was dead for a good chunk of this. And now they have woken up. And The Rock... Uh, he's throwing out all the jabronis, but right now he's being double teamed by, oh, excuse me, Valvinus and Test. Two other guys that were trained at the same time in uh, the dojo. Uh, yeah, it was Edge. This one training class, it had Edge, it had Test, it had Christian, it had Valvinus. I think Joey Legend was in there. I think Tiger Ali Singh was in there. Um... Glenn Kalko might have been in there too. Uh, Glenn Kalko was a CFL player, had a couple of matches with the WWF on the house show, cir house show circuits in late '97, but he got injured, and then he had a run in Memphis. He had a match with Kurt Angle, and that's it. And here comes one more person. It's three, two, one. Who's next? I'm an ass man. Here comes Billy Gunn. Oh boy. Billy Gunn. Kip James. Kip Sop. Billy Gunn, who is still wrestling today in AEW. I believe there's an upcoming of AEW Dark where Billy and his son Austin are going to be tagging together. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, Billy Gunn still looks good. He is still a specimen. However, he is wrestling in a DX shirt. I don't know if this is for 
brand supremacy or maybe he's hiding an injury. <clears throat> now that the Age Outlaws are now in the ring together, so this is going to get some kind of DDT onto Crash Holly and Roxanne's unpacking. Oh, that's one person The Rock was worried about. Oh, Cousin Bob's not too happy with Rocky here. Here we go. Hardcore Holly and The Rock. Now that's a singles match that I kind of would have liked to have seen. It probably happened, but it's just... Uh, yeah, it was oh, the Holly Cousins versus The Rock and Sock connection. What am I talking about? Of course it happened. My goodness. Oh, I'm tired. Look at all snow. Choking out the road dog here. Val Venus is standing on them both. There goes Crash. Bye-bye. And here comes someone else. We have eight seconds left. I have been going at this for 43 minutes. I have been riffing at this, and I applaud you for listening this long. Well, it's the big show. Here he is. Oh, big nasty bastard, big show. Pre-haircut big show. Oh, he just rips the sign out of the fan's face. What a dick. Now, he was kind of a tweener or a heel or I don't know what he was at this point in time. But uh, he's going right for the rock. There we go. Big show was really skinny here. I, I think he also pulled... Oh, there Gangrel's gone. Yeah, Big Show at this point in time could pull off a missile dropkick. Or like a top rope move. I mean, he did do a top rope move like one or two years ago against Braun. But that's because he slimmed down and got shredded again. Like I met Big Show in 2018, I think it was. And he is just shredded to the gills. Yep, Tess got eliminated. And then there goes Gangrel. How much time do I have left here? I got... Oh my goodness, I have almost 20 minutes left. Whew, my goodness. Uh, maybe I should have picked a different match to talk about. But you know what? I'm going to keep going. And if you don't want to keep listening, uh, I'm surprised you made it this long. Here comes the next person. And it's Bradshaw. Uh, Pre-JBL Bradshaw. JBL, one of the worst character transformations in the history of professional wrestling. I know that is not a popular opinion. Speaking of popular opinions, here comes the Mean Street Posse again. Who are trying to... Oh, there's a, there's a clothesline to the outside. There's a throw to the outside. And they're... Oh, God. Oh, Pete Gass almost got caught in the ropes. And the Outlaws eliminate Bradshaw. Oh, man. Bradshaw's gonna clothesline from hell, those guys. There we go. He's fighting them. Here comes Farouk. It's a bar fight, folks. Now we're gonna go to the backstage, to the best backstage area in No Mercy. The bar. Where you could do a spine buster through the pool table. Ah, takes me back, man. Takes me back. It is 3 p.m. on New Year's Day. And I am here covering the Royal Rumble 2000. This is fun. Al Snow is foot choking the rock. Val Venus and Prince Albert are are wrestling each other in the corner. The Big Show's in there somewhere. The Outlaws are in there. Bob Holly's still here. 
I think we're getting close to the end. Big, big Show just dropped down. Road down. Excuse me again, folks. This is going to be perfect, perfect audio content for everybody. Next person coming. we got to be getting near the end. Yeah. Next. Uh-oh. Lights out. It's Kane. Oh, uh, and Terry. Oh, right. Tori. Kane and Tori were a thing. And the arena's filling up with smoke. That or Rob Van Dam's in there somewhere. Whew. My goodness. No, Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam's got to be there somewhere. And Val Venus is about to get choke slammed to the outside. Goodbye, ladies. And now Kane going for Al Snow. Kane go for the road dog. And the Rock and Kane. There's a match. Yeah, Kane's still in his full mask, still in his whole deal here. Now we're starting to see a little bit of the human side of Kane, where he's having a real-life friendship with X-Pac. Well, it was gone at this point in time. He has a girlfriend in Tori. And, yep, there's there's draws on, on Prince Albert's back right there. Ah, uh, draws. And Billy Gunn jumps the big show from behind. Big mistake. Rock hits a flying clothesline on Bob. We're five seconds away from the next person. Press slam. Big show. Let's go. Oh. Oh, train. Here comes the Godfather and the Hose. Ah, pimping ain't easy. Prince Albert just gets eliminated by Kane. Uh, Al Snow's doing a 10 punch on the big show in the corner. And I'm looking at these ladies. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, one lady almost tripped. Your, your stilettos are a bit too uh, slippery. You must be slipping on someone's sweat there, lady. Uh, maybe stilettos isn't the best thing to wear. And yes, the, the godfather actually went to Hose R Us. And here's Funaki again. Will he ever learn? Ah, Funaki's going for Al Snow. And... Funaki falls right in front of one of the ladies. Almost looks up her skirt. Uh, he had a good view. Yeah, Jerry Lawler just said that Funaki had a good view. Yeah, pervert. Because those girls are only one-third your age. And they're replaying the talk of face. Oh. And they replay the talk of faceplant again. I mean, if WWE put out, like, blooper videos in 2000... This would have been on it with like Doink the Clown's theme playing in the background with a bunch of sound effects in it. That would have been funny. Two, one, next person. X Pac. Oh, number 30. We're at the end. Here's the 30th entrant. It's X Pac. And we have a little bit of time left, folks. Finally. Thank you for bearing with me for this long. I am not going to do one of these on my own next time if i'm doing a watch along i'm doing a much much shorter match or i'm doing it with nate 
Uh, Nate, are you ready for the 92 Royal Rumble? Uh, actually, by the time you hear this, you would probably have heard a review of this because despite recording this on January 1st, I am not going to be putting it out for quite a while. Maybe the middle of the month. It just depends on when I feel like getting this out. And what I'm going to do with this episode, because I might even put it on the Russell Addict Radio uh iTunes feed as well if I'm able to. If not, no biggie. I'll put it on the Frontzelmania feed. I'll get the word out there and yeah, there we go. And now we have everyone in the in the Matt Rumble match and Godfather's gone. A lot of booze because everyone loves the Godfather. Simone dropped by the Rock on Al Snow. Kane and X-Pac are... Al Snow's gone. And Kane and X-Pac, they're in the middle of their feud right now. Kane is just absolutely unloading. I think they just had... Oh, Billy Gunn eliminates Road Dog. Every man for himself. Big Show headbutts Billy Gunn. Yeah, Billy Gunn, yeah, I know he's fresh off of King of the Ring. He was not winning anything. And throat chop, Billy Gunn flies over the top rope. And they take Kane out into the bottom rope. Nope. Bottom rope, that is not an elimination. Yeah, that they made that mistake before. Now Kane, he's about to oh X-Pac misses a spinning heel kick. Rock throws out oh X-Pac, that man can take a bump. He is gone. And it looks like Kane is just gone. It's like Kane's brawling to the back and he's not in this match. Well, that's dumb. I guess he's going to get the Curtis Axel spot. Oh, wait, no, here he comes back. Xbox back. But Xbox got eliminated. I think the refs were distracted by the brawl in the back. And I just saw Funaki walk across the stage again. But he's not coming out. Here we go. Kane and Xbox. Bitter feud. We had some wicked matches here. Yep, Rock eliminates Xbox. Where is the referee? X-Pac landed right on his back, sailing over the top rope. Big boot. Here we go. Kane and the Big Show, who, in a few years' time, would be tag champions. And Kane would try to chokeslam the Big Show. Uh, no, the Big Show is going to prevent this. We wouldn't see Kane actually chokeslam the Big Show for a few years after this. But now the Big Show, he's going for it. And Kane gets out of it. This is an outpower thing. And Kane, it's a Geary on the big man, and the big show is still standing. My goodness. And Kane's going to body slam him. Oh, this is Hogan Andre. WrestleMania 3, folks, in the year 2000. And Xbox spin kick eliminates Kane. Kane goes over the top rope, lands on his feet. Except Xbox was Bronco Buster on the big show. Hmm. I don't recommend that. Uh, that's how you piss off a giant. And he's right back up. Here we go. Press slam. And bye-bye X-Pac. Just right on his face. Here we go. Big show in the rock. The last two in the ring. We're down, we're, we're down to two. We got the spine buster, which is more of a double-leg takedown that I learned in wrestling. Yes, I tried out for the wrestling team. Here comes the most electrifying move in sports entertainment. The people's elbow. Crowd eating it up. Do-do-do. Do-do-do. And bang. There's the elbow drop. Big Show's going to be gone. Here we go. 
Oh, choke slam. Big Show's going for the choke slam. Showstopper. There it is. Throw him out. Come on. Come on, Paul. Let's go. Throw him out. Paul White, the Big Show, is about to win the Royal Rumble. He's about to throw out the rock. Both feet must touch the floor. Oh, wait. Spoiler alert. Here we go. The crowd is eating this. Big Show's going for the running power slam. Or the snake eyes. Or something. Ah, oh, he's posing. He's going He's going to see what rope. Ah, here we go. I'm going to go to this rope. Oh, Big Show. Rock holds on. And Big Show's gone. The Rock has won the Royal Rumble. Or has he? Nope, he has. And The Rock stayed in. And his feet never touched the floor. The referees are debating. Ah, I think this was The Rock's only Rumble win, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, The Rock kept his word. Said he was going to win. He was going to throw out Headbanger Mosh. And Crash Holly. Mosh was already gone by the time he got there. But whatever. Now, they're going to do a bunch of instant replays here, folks. I'm not going to go through and, and recap them myself. But they're going to be like, oh. And as my mic was cutting out at the very end of the Royal Rumble, uh, folks, I apologize for that and for any audio uh, quandaries during this whole spiel. This was just an experiment that I'm, I'm going to be trying out. So yeah, I was talking about The Rock and there was controversy allegedly about the finish of the Rumble, whether The Rock's feet didn't touch first or touch first or not. And the big show was complaining about it. So yeah, that was just going to be the little half rant that I was going to try and get into. Anyways, that is it for this episode of the 20 Bell Salute, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you even made it this far, I actually congratulate you, and maybe I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> so, yep, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, I hope 2020 brings you nothing but the best. So this has been Mr. Fretz. Follow us on Wrestle Addict Radio and the Game Changer Podcast and the Fretzelmania Podcast as well. And be sure to keep wrestling real.